go to those two places. Chronicles and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 this morning. And as you do, um, once again, thank you, church, so much for honoring my wife and I. We're blessed very much to be a part of this church family. We, we do love you. We do love you, and we appreciate you guys loving us and tolerating me. And, uh, and I appreciate my board and my staff as well. Uh, you know, often the pastor gets all the credit for when things go well, and reality is I have a team of, of staff and, and, and deacons as well as we have one of the best, the largest volunteer-based workers, ministers uh, here in this church, and you guys rock it. And I really do sincerely say thank you. I get the credit when things go well, and reality is you're behind it. I get the credit when things go bad, and reality is I'm probably the reason why things go bad, and I know that. So, But thank you so much um, for just supporting the vision that God has not given me for this church, but has given us. It's our vision, God's vision for us, and I appreciate that so much. Just a reminder, I know it was in the announcements, but we're getting down uh, to the October 31st. Uh, we don't celebrate Halloween, if you're wondering here, but what we do is we provide a safe environment for our community. We believe at this church, part of our vision is providing a service for our community, and one of those services is that we usually have a fall festival here on the Saturday before Halloween, um, and just create a nice family environment where we actually get to share the gospel in action by loving on our community. Well, this year it falls on Saturday, so we would have been doing our fall festival. But because of COVID-19 concerns, we're going we're gonna to practice. Uh, we don't believe in social distancing because we're social creatures. But we do believe trying to f maintain some physical distance. And so with it, we're just going to do a trunk of treat. So you get to hand out your, what I call it, crack candy out of the back of your car this year, okay? Just bring all the candy you want to. And we, we, we're trying to push biblical characters, but we understand if we all dressed up in bearded, long-haired old men in robes, it would probably freak the community out a little bit, you know, think that we're some kind of cult. So we said, let's lighten it up a little bit. We encourage biblical characters, but also you can do Disney characters if you want. We just ask, please stay away from the evil one if you would. We don't want to scare, um, well, scare me, to be honest with you. So let's just do that. But listen, we need you to sign up. And the reason why is because we got to lay out the track for our community to come. So we need you to sign up in the foyer. Just sign your name. Uh, you can put your costume if you want to, what you're going to be. Um, and we're just going to have a lot of fun with that. For y'all that participate every year in our fall festival, you know, we have a great, great time doing this. So come on out. We'll eat a piece of candy or two as well. You know what's sad about not having the fall festival this year? Can I be honest with you? It's because... Hot dogs. Well, the hot dogs is part of it. Absolutely, we will not be, we will not help our community eat healthy this year with eating hot dogs. Uh, but I usually get to sample the candy you bring in, and this year you don't have to bring candy in, so I don't get to sample any of it. And I'm kind of sad about that. So, but I will be going around your cars and trucks and getting some of the candy then. So, anyway, also if you're part of my team, uh, my dream team that works with the Mercy Chefs tomorrow afternoon. The truck will be here at 3 or 2.45. I need you here around 2 to 2.30 so we can set up the perimeter out here and get ready for our, for our community so we can bless them. If you need food, this is for you. Please come out as well. Uh, we will load you up with food. And hopefully, I hope we get the protein box tomorrow. I need some more cheese. So anyways, we'll leave it, leave it at that. So we have fun with that. All right. Well, let's start off with a great question I think we need to ask today is... I have to think of this the other day. Why did God create man before woman? Practice. Okay, well, that's one way to look at it. But the Lord laid deeply in my heart. It was because he didn't want any advice on how to do everything else. All right, you have to appreciate me today. Brother Glenn's made that very clear. Ladies, you have to appreciate me <laughs> I'm sorry, I came across that and I thought, oh, I'm going to cause a, a ruckus today, but that's okay. All right, here's, here's what I came across I should have used last week or the week before, a couple weeks before. How, does God love everyone? Yes, of course he does, but he prefers fruit of the Spirit to religious nuts. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, I, I'll go to preaching now. I, I'll go to preaching now. Very good. If you, we've just finished our Fruit of the Spirit series, so I thought that was good. Well, let, let's transition today into the message. Um, it's kind of interesting not thinking that today was Pastor Appreciation Sunday, because usually I will um, try to do something not lighthearted, but something not so serious as the subject matter today. 
Um, so I'm not trying to be a killjoy, but actually this is an encouraging message today. But I probably in the last six months, more than ever before, and really within the last two months, I have probably been asked more than ever in my life if the Lord is coming back this year. Think about it. Is the Lord coming back this year? You know, as, as the, the hurricane hit over Louisiana, Texas area, over in that area, Louisiana mostly, and you look at the stats, we, we have had, this is the second busiest hurricane season in recorded history. We have had 25 named storms, 10 of which have hit the United States of America. Now, we wouldn't just base it just off storms hitting. So let's look at some other things. Since the first of the year, there has been over 8,300 wildfires in California alone. Over 4 million acres have burned and over 8,300, should be over 8,800 structures destroyed by fire. Okay, storms, fire. Okay, that, that's part. How about COVID-19? Think about what COVID-19 has done, not to our country, but to the world. We have a health pandemic. We have a health situation that's not only decimating the population, but has caused a worldwide economic crisis. Boy, this is a picky-up kind of service today, isn't it? Boy, I'm going to bring you really low, but I'm going to bring you up, okay? Think about the protests in the streets of our nation right now. Protests against racial inequality. And yet there's groups that are taking advantage of that and are rioting and destroying businesses and lives and, and, and property in the streets of our country. Think about uh, Washington, D.C. Think about the political landscape right now with all that's happening. I mean, it's always been volatile during presidential election years. But this year, more than ever before, just the hatred and the division in our nation. You know, you think about it, it, it's, it sounds like a Hollywood horror movie. It sounds like we need to be finding the car that the engine's running and getting out of town, doesn't it? To use that commercial. Love that commercial. Sounds, sounds pretty serious when you think about it. Is the Lord coming back this year? Are we living in the last days? If we're not, then when will Jesus come back? And we're going to look at that this morning. According to Jesus' own words, we know that we don't know the hour. As a matter of fact, nobody knows the hour of the day but the Father. He says in Matthew 24, 36, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. So we have to understand this, that God is keeping the return of Jesus kind of, well not kind of, it's secretive in the sense that we don't know the day nor the hour. And if you hear of somebody saying it's happening in October, it's happening in November, it's happening in December, I'm not arguing with those people, but the reality of it is there's no, there's no way of knowing for sure because God is keeping that moment, that hour, a secret. Jesus himself doesn't know. If Jesus doesn't know, why do you think anybody, God would tell anybody else? Okay, So we have to keep these things in mind. So what do we do in the meantime, considering all that's taken place in our nation, in our community, and around the world? Not to mention, think about the situations that suddenly we haven't heard anything about. North Korea is still developing nuclear weapons and long-range missiles. See, China has now become the old Soviet Union, and now they're wanting to take over the world and dominate even the United States of America. They have an army that surpasses, I mean, it is a large army. Matter of fact, I'm not going to look a lot into Revelation, but when they talk about that large army that comes from the east, okay, they have an army along combined with other eastern countries, Asian countries, that, that can meet the number required to be that army in Revelation. That's not my message today, but I'm just trying to bring attention to it. Russia meddling in the Middle East. Russia is still manipulating in the Middle East. And there again, not to go, there's, there's not enough time today to go into all the details of Revelation, end time prophecy. But we know that the end times, the tribulation period, is about, it's mostly about what happens in the Middle East and not the rest of the world. See? 
Terrorism is still alive and well today, my friends. We don't, we don't hear about that. And, of course, the turmoil in general in the Middle East. It does feel like, doesn't it, that we are living in a unique time in history? It does feel like that, that something is bubbling, that there's something underneath the surface that, that may happen. And, 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 but we still don't know the time of Christ's return, do we? And we have to keep that in mind. We, we don't know when he'll return. But I believe we need to be like the special group in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Listen to what the Bible says about these particular people. It says, from the tribe of Ishakar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And all these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. We may not know when Jesus is coming back. We may not know the day nor the hour. But we need to be like these men. These men understood the times that they lived. They understood what was happening in their country. You go back and read the story for yourself. And because of that, because they understood the times, they knew what they needed to do. And I think if there's ever a time in history, in the church's lifespan, today is a day that we need to understand what is going on in the world and we better know what to do. It's not the time to be scared. It's not the time to run to the hills. It's not the time to hide and be frightened. No, we need to understand the times that we're living. Whether Jesus comes back today or tomorrow or next year, we do not know. But we do know from the signs that we're getting close to that return. And we better understand that. And we better know what we need to do. See, we have to understand something that's very important about the doctrine of our church, our denomination. We believe that there is a second coming. We believe there will be a day that Jesus will return. There will be a time where he comes back to get his bride, to get his, his church. And this is found in the word of God. And here's the thing. Jesus is coming back and there will be a generation that will see his return. We have to get that in our minds today. He is coming back. There's no doubt about it. And there will be a generation that will see his return. Whether it's us or not, I do not know. But there will be a generation that will see his return. Over in Acts chapter 1 verse 9. Jesus, this is the story, the account of Jesus ascending to heaven. He has just spent time with his disciples after his resurrection, about 40 to 50 days after his resurrection. He has spent time, he's been teaching them about the kingdom of God. He's been, it's been witnessed by several hundred people that he is alive. And here he is about to go. He gives them the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then this is what he says. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into the heaven. As he left this world, so he will return. As he left from the Mount of Olives and ascended, so he will return to the Mount of Olives one day at his second coming when he returns to this world. See, we don't know that hour, but we do know the signs of the seasons of his return. See, God does never intended for his people to be in the dark about when his son would return. He didn't tell us the day or the hour. He had reason for that. But he didn't leave it so that we didn't have an idea where we couldn't see when he would come back. Over in Luke chapter 21, 25, he says this. And there will be signs, Jesus says, in sun, in the sun, in the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, distress of nation, in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. Can you say hurricanes? Can you say tsunamis? Perplexity because of the waves. People fainting with fear. Fear from what? Fear from terrorism. Fear from the threat of nuclear war. Fear because of the financial downfall of the world. Fear because of a virus that's spreading throughout the world. This world is riddled with fear today. It is a sign. It is a sign. And with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud. So this is that generation that will see His return. This is the generation right here that when they start seeing these things, and we know as a woman is giving birth, you women who's had babies naturally, you know that you start off slow with birth pains, most of y'all. 
Some of y'all are super women. You, got, you just go right ahead and do it, right? But most of y'all, and what happens with those, with those contractions? They start getting closer and closer, and they start getting more severe and more severe. This is what he's talking about. There's always been wars and rumors and wars. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been storms. But think about what we're seeing today and in in how rapid and how massive and how quickly they're taking place. They're more quick. And, and, and the financial, everything that we're seeing is happening more rapidly and having more rapid and having more of an impact on the world. Look to the clouds, for he's, for he's coming with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up. Raise your head, because your redemption is drawing nigh, my church. Amen. When we start seeing these things, straighten up. Start looking to the eastern sky. Start being aware that your redemption, the Lord himself, will come in the clouds in glory, in might, and in power. Guess what? We don't know when he's coming back. But we may be the generation that sees this, that encounters this, see? So are we living in the last days? Some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, every Christian generation has believed that. And you're right. If you look at the lives of the New Testament believers, they, they live with what we call the imminent return of Christ. That means it could happen anytime. They lived on that edge. Most of the teaching about the end time, you talk about being ready, looking and watching and being prepared. Why? Because they believed at any moment he could come back. I know my grandparents lived with that anticipation. My grandparents raised me to know, my grandmothers did, to knowing that you better be ready. You better not be doing anything you'd be embarrassed before the Lord about, right? Don't be going out, you know, don't you know what I'm talking about. Don't drink, dance, and chew and go with girls who do, right? Come on. We grew up in a different era. We grew up in a little bit more strict era. And I, sometimes I think that may not have been a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not talking about going back to legalism, but just getting our attention and say, hey, look, we got to quit living as if the day is made for us. The day may be the day of his return. And my grandparents raised me that way. My mom and dad believe today they still are the generation to see the return of the Lord. And they raised me to believe that I would see it. And so everything they taught and infilled within me was to say, He could come back today. Are you ready? Are you watching? See, we could be that generation. You know, I think that's a healthy way to live. I think we need to live every, this, this, I love this. I believe we should plan like Jesus isn't coming for a hundred more years. I believe we should plan as if Jesus isn't coming for another hundred years, but live like he's coming today. What's that mean, pastor? That means we still, we still sow into the mission field. We still support our missionaries to spread the gospel because he may not come back for another hundred years. That means we still support building churches. We still do outreaches and things to bless our community. We still do things to, to get the word out. Why? Because we don't know the hour nor the day. But we live like it's today. We're prepared for it like today. We're looking for it. Hey, I got my bags packed. Come on. I'm practicing. I'm practicing. Come on, right? But we prepare as if it's not going to happen today. And we keep doing the things that we are told to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Building those people up in the word of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. See? I believe it. I think that's what we need to do. Because why? We could be the generation that sees this coming. And here's a few reasons why. Can I just share a few reasons why? Can I just throw you little tidbits out there? And, and we're going to see if this scares you or makes you excited. We'll see what it does for you. First of all, uh, this isn't in my notes, but I think we're, we're a unique generation because we are the generation, at least my parents were, that saw Israel become a nation. That's prophetic. That's prophecy being fulfilled. I'm not going to go to the scriptures for time's sake, but just know the fact that Israel is once again a nation is a fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies. And the fact that our generation, we see that today. And that's unique to us. Those prior to 1948, never, that wasn't a fact for them. So we know that's one thing that had to be met for this to be the end times. Or the, close to the return of Christ. But how about this? How about technology today? We love technology. How many of y'all love technology? You liars. How many of y'all have a smartphone that's smarter than you right now? Who doesn't have a smartphone? God bless you. We have one saint in here. Bless you, sister. Yeah, we all have it. We're at the point where we, 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 we have, uh, I, mean, I mean, I can say, Alexa, 
turn on praise music. And man, Alexa turns on praise music, right? You know, we have this great technology today. Well, let me tell you how technology plays very briefly into the, the return of Christ. Uh, first of all, there's satellite technology. It's unique to our generation. It's unique to right now. Over Revelation 11, we read the story about two witnesses. Now, I'm not here to break this down theologically today. I'm, you can go back and read the story. But it, during the tribulation period, there's going to be two witnesses that are going to be in Jerusalem. And they're going to be preaching the gospel. They're going to be against the, the bad dude, the Antichrist. Okay, He's the guy that's going to try to destroy God's people. and He's anti-God. He's anti-Christ. And these two guys are going to be in the streets preaching. Now, there's, we, we debate about who it's going to be. Is it going to be Elijah and Moses? And something is Elijah and Enoch? Because those are the only two guys in history that never died. There's a little trivial question. Right? And so with it, we're not sure who they are, but we just know that there's going to be two witnesses that's going to be preaching the gospel. And, and, and Revelation 11 says that the Antichrist is going to murder them. He's going to have them gunned down in the streets of Jerusalem. And their bodies are going to lay in the streets for three and a half days. And at the end of three and a half days, they're going to come back to life. But the cool thing about that is the fact that it says in Revelation 11 that all the world will be able to witness this. This was not possible before satellite technology. Now, my grandparents and even my mom and dad back when I was younger, this was something we weren't sure how it was going to happen. I remember them talking about it here in Mesa. We're not sure how this is going to happen because even though we, I'm young enough to where satellites have, were around when I was born, I'm not that old yet, but not in the way that they are today. And today, you can see what's happening around. We got webcams that you can see what's happening on the beach today. You can go to Jerusalem, there's webcams if you've got the security to get to it. And you can see what's happening over there. I mean, it, there's nothing to see what's going on in the world right now, around the world at the moment, right now. Satellite technology. All right. How about this? How about the financial technology? All right. Revelation 13, it says the Antichrist is going to instill a financial system, a worldwide currency, and with it, you're not going to be, well, I'm, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> this is after the rapture. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Right. I hope I'm not here. Lord, help me. Uh, I hope you're not here. But during that time, the only way you're going to be able to buy and sell anything on the market is you've got to have a chip. You've got to have some, well, it's called the mark of the beast. It's, it's the mark of man is what it means. If you're not familiar with it, don't get all concerned about beast. It's just a word used there to describe the Antichrist who is a man in a world system. And he will control what you sell and buy. And what it is is you'll have to have some kind of mark on your forehand or your, or your forehead or your right hand. That's here today. Now, I, at one time, I thought, well, we got chips in our, you know, but no, it says forehead or right hand. I believe that's literal. And, and we have that technology today. The Amazon Go stores right there, there's several called Go, G-O stores, that you walk in, you turn your app on, first of all, and then when you get something and you leave, it automatically debits your account. So we already have it where you walk in, you get it, and you don't even have to check out. But there's technology now, and there's some businesses here in the United States that's using this, that for security to get in places on, on, on security facilities, that they implant a chip right here. And all you got to do is go beep. And if you have the clearance to get in that area, you get to go in that area. It's there. And what I'm saying is technology is there. And how many of y'all notice that there is a coin shortage? All right, what is that? Come on, all oh, you're just keeping all that change in your buddy barrel. Will you please bring it in for speed of light and buddy barrel? Come on, right? Why is there a coin shortage? Well, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I believe it's because our government for a while has wanted to go away from coins. And it's just a matter of time before we go away from cash. And we're going to go to a cashless society. Well, then what makes sense? Well, why do you have to carry around a debit card? Just put a chip, right? I mean, we do it to our dogs already. Come on. It's there. All I'm trying to tell you, it's there. The technology is here. Thirdly, and then we'll move on. How about the technology? Let's get a little more positive here. To evangelize. The technology, Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world, whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
Now, the word nation that's used here doesn't mean geographical countries. It's talking about people groups. So this gospel, what gospel? The good news that Jesus provides a way out of our sin, provides a way for us to have a relationship with God, that we can have a, a, a room built in our Father's house for us so one day when he comes back, we can go be with him. That has to go out to all people groups. Well, let me give you some statistics, okay? There are right now 16,500 different people groups in the world. 16.5 thousand, okay? Think about that. 6.5 thousand of those are people groups that are classified as unreached for the gospel. 16.5, okay? Now, that's, that's about 42% of the world's population right now is not being reached, has not been. That means they don't have a Bible in their language. That means they don't have missionaries that speak their language. They, don't have, they do not have a presentation of the gospel for them to receive. 42% of the world's population today. Statistics. Now think about that. But with technology, what is tech? But that number has gone down. Why? Because of technology. We now have the technology to make Bibles. The fire Bibles being printed in, in many different languages today that, that don't have the Bible in their language. Technology does allow us with the internet and things like that to share the gospel in those areas. So what my point is, is very quickly because of technology, we're now seeing advancement of the gospel and we are beginning to reach these unreached people groups. See, one day they'll all be reached. See, and that's the reason why we, we, we support missions, world missions. It's because we want to reach these people. And by reaching them, we're actually helping usher in the return of Christ. We don't want them to die and go to hell, sure. But it also means that we are working towards the return of Christ. We're living in a unique generation, my friends, with great, great opportunity. So what does all of this mean to us? Why am I telling you all of this? What? Let me put it this way. I'm telling you this not to scare you. I know as a child and growing up, even in high school, when I'd hear the people speak of Revelation, man, it'd make me nervous. And, you know, make me real nervous. And it would scare me. And, of course, then it's like, oh, God, please don't come back till I get married. I just want to get married. And I said, oh, God, please don't come back till I have children. And then I had children. I said, oh, God, why didn't you come back sooner? <laughs> not because you, baby, because of the children children right yeah it would scare me but I, I believe there's three things I very quickly want to tell you that as a follower as a believer in Christ the knowing that you may be the generation the witnesses return this what this is what it ought to do for you okay and the first thing I believe it should be as a born-again believer the soon return of Jesus should encourage you it should bring comfort to your life not not nervousness not not to be scared at all. No. You know, this world's in a mess. I mean, I've already said some of the things, the big things. This world's in a mess. And can I be honest with you? Although Jesus came to give us joy and fulfill our joy, there's not a whole lot of joy in the situations in the world today. That joy he's talked about isn't in the, in the flesh, in the carnal joy. It's not finding joy in the things that we can have and do, although those are benefits of God, if they're godly. But the reality of it is, this world's in a mess, and, and, and I'm ready to go, and I, I look for his return. I am looking and loving his appearing. Uh, and the fact that he is going to return soon does comfort me. Uh, I'm not a grand, grandparent yet. I do have a grand pug. I tell you all, his name is Farnsey. I love the little guy. He's just, he, came to, he came to visit me Friday night. We watched a movie and had pizza together. Yeah. Unfortunately, his dad had to come, so I had to buy lots of pizza. No, I'm kidding, Betty. It was, a, it was a guy's night out because of the ladies thing. So I said, well, you got to bring the foreign. So we had a great time. And, but the reality of it is, is uh, one day I may be a grandparent. I can't think of my grandkids growing up in this world. I look forward to it. I know I'm going to spoil them. I'm going to love them and, and, and send them home so they can do some tyrants to their parents. I'm okay with that. But it does scare me with the world that my grandkids are growing up. I'm ready for his return. It doesn't mean I'm suicidal. I, God give us the, the desire within us to live life. Understand? I'm, I'm of sane mind. But there's a part of me that yearns for his return. 
There's a part of me that looks forward to his return. I'm just tired, church. I'm tired of the, 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 what's happening in our world and, and seeing how it's just destroying itself from within. It, it, just, it just it brings me down. But you know what? One glad morning, I'm going to fly out of this world. You know, and that's what I'm looking forward to. To be absent of the body is to be present with the world. And what we have to do is we have to stop focusing on this earth in, in the sense of a personal way. And don't put our hopes in this world. Don't get fixated on it. Because all I know is this world has let me down over and over and over again. So I'm not fixated on this world. I'm fixated on eternity. And everything that I do personally, and I believe it should be for you, encourages me to live my life for eternity. Like I said earlier, I'm making plans into the future because I don't know when the Lord returns, but I'm living my life today as though he's coming back today. See, And that encourages me. That gives me hope. Matter of fact, Jesus uh, returning should comfort us, encourage us. Look what Paul says over in 1 Thessalonians. I told you to go there. We're going to spend a few minutes right here in chapter 4. He says, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, this is that generation that will witness his return, okay, when he comes, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. What Paul is talking about here is the doctrine, really, of death and, and, and the rapture. What he's saying when he says sleep, it's not that there's a soul sleep. It just means that when we die, our bodies are put in the ground. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. And our spirit, our spirit goes to be with God. Our spirit is in the presence of the Lord. See, and, and, and I don't know about that, but that encourages me to know that whether I go by the rapture or I go by the grave, I'm going to be with the Lord. For the Lord himself, then it says, will descend from heaven and with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. These are those who are, are followers of Christ who have died and have been laid in the ground. Their bodies, not their spirits, because their spirit is with the Lord. Come on. It, but their bodies are going to raise up and going to be glorified. And their body and their spirit is going to come back together. That's how we're going to know each other when we get to heaven. You will be known as you are known. See, I don't know about you, but I encourage me. That means all these who have preceded me in death, my, my family, my loved ones, my friends who have gone on, those who are dear saints of God that were part of this fellowship, that I've had the privilege of, of, of laying to rest in the grave, their bodies. Their bodies and spirits will come back together one day. We'll know them when we get in the clouds. You say, when we get in the clouds, yes, verse 17 says, and then we who are alive, who are left, that generation who will see this, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Come on, church. That ought to encourage you right there. Now, let me do a little teaching for you. This Greek word here for caught up is the, is the, is the Greek word harpazo. Now, you don't have to know that. It's not going to keep you out of heaven. You don't know what harpazo is. But that is a Greek word that just means to be snatched away. It means to be taken away. That's all that word means. Remember, we're translation from Greek to English. Well, before it got translated into English, it was translated into Latin. And the Latin word for caught up or snatched away, harpazo, is, is rapurto, which is where we get the word rapture. Now, here's your teaching. The word rapture is not in the Bible. And you're going to have people that's going to argue and say it's not. You know what? You're absolutely right. The word rapture is not. But the concept of rapture is in the Bible. We just call it that. If you want to call it, hey, one day the snatching away is going to take away. One day the come, hey, I'm going to be taken out of here is going to happen. I'm telling you, church, there's a day coming. This is going to happen. We may be the generation that sees it. See? Man, I don't know about you, but that excites me. That means that all your family members... That have preceded you in death. They're going to be waiting. I mean it's going to happen fast. A twinkling of eye. Man for, for their bodies to be raised up. And reunited with the spirit. For I get up there. I mean it's got to be fast. It's got to be quick. Right? Come on now. I know I'm a big boy. But at that day gravity will not have an effect on me. I may go up and I ain't coming back down. It's not like that anyways. All right. We'll be reunited with them. And so Paul goes on saying, and so we will always be with the Lord. That day forward, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, because of this, encourage one another with these words. So that's what I'm doing here today. I want to encourage you. If you're a follower of Christ, don't be scared about what's going on around you. Yes, prepare, be prepared for, prepare for Jesus to come back 100 years from now. Have a retirement account. And your, kid, your grandkids are going to get it. That's okay. Go ahead and put that money aside. Come on. 
We know how it is. But live like it's happening today. Because we may be the generation that sees it. Well, let me continue. I'll spend a little bit more time on that than I want to, but it seems like you were into that. I like it when you feed, give me some feedback. We should be encouraged, but Jesus' second coming should also prepare us. Prepare us. See, God never intended us to be in the dark about his second coming of Christ. You may not know this, but there are over 300 references in the New Testament to the end times of the return of Christ. Over 300 references. There are 200, 216 of the 260 chapters in the New Testament have some reference to the end times or the return of Christ. To even narrow this down more, of the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 talk about, have reference to the Christ's return and the end times. We don't know the hour, but God never intended us to be in the dark. He never intended us to not be aware and not be ready and not be prepared. He intentionally put this information about the end times in there so that we would know that it's happening, so we could actually see the signs and be prepared. Paul continues in his letter to 1 Thessalonians. In chapter 5, he says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Why? For yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So in other words, we don't know when it's happened, so I'm not even going to write you about it. You know it's going to come unawares to you. While people are saying there is peace and security, that suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse 4, but you are not in darkness. I hope you're not in darkness today, church. Brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You know, there's going to be a lot of believers, or a lot of non-believers, rather, that's going to be surprised the day that the church is raptured out of this world. There's going to be no way, I, I don't know how the world can explain it. I'm sure the Antichrist, if he's in power at that time, or about to be in power, I personally believe that the rapture will probably take place before the seven-year tribulation, but it will be part of what brings in the seven-year tribulation, and it will help bring the Antichrist into power. We can sit down over lunch sometime, your treat, and we'll talk about it. I find it when you guys have questions, theological questions, you want to talk about or complaints, I just offer to meet with you, but it's at your treat. And y'all never, ever set up appointments with me. I love that about y'all. I'm joking, of course. But the reality of it is that uh, there's going to be a day where it happens and there's no way to explain it away. There's going to be, I believe, millions of people that are going to disappear. How many of y'all that are about my age, there used to be a time where postcards were really, really popular and I remember a Sunday school teacher at Valparaiso Assembly of God, Mrs. Nugent, Sister Nugent, she gave me a postcard. And it was a postcard picture of the rapture taking place. And bodies were coming out of graves. And a pilot in an airplane, and a 747 was coming out, and the plane was crashing. That used to scare me to death. <laughs> I still have it. I still have it. I should have brought it. I'll try to see if I can't find it. It scared me to death. But it's going to happen one day. And there's no way this world is going to... They're going to try to explain, you know, what, an alien abduction? I don't... I don't well, how do you explain it? See? Because we're going to be gone. We've got to be prepared. That's why how you live your life matters. We should live prepared for His return. Looking and loving His return. The Bible describes the church. Let me tell you something. The Bible describes the church as the bride of Christ. Now, sometimes we men, we have a hard time. I got to be a bride? I don't get that, okay? Well, let me tell you something. When you think about a bride, when you think about Jesus is our groom. He is our Lord. And it says that our garments should be white, fresh, pressed with no wrinkles, no spots, to be clean. Think about that image for a minute. I, I can remember the day I got married. We've been married for 33 years, just past August. And, and, and I, I can remember the, the day, that day as I looked up that burnt orange carpet at First Assembly on East Avenue. And my wife came through that middle aisle and that door opened up. And she was in this white, white, pure white dress that was beautiful. Her mom, her mom made for her. We still have that dress. And it's, it's gorgeous. And how she come down that aisle. And what happened? She prepared herself for me. She wore a white dress because she had kept herself pure for me. When I put a ring on it, she stopped dating other people. Actually, it started long before I put a ring on it. 
You, you hear what I'm saying? She prepared herself for me. Leading up to that wedding, we spent months preparing for that day. She had so many uh, bridesmaids, I had, to, I had to pay people to be my friends because I didn't have that many friends to be my groomsmen. She prepared. We had three or four songs in that wedding. Thank you for those that just make it quick and simple and easy. Thank you. What's my point? She was, we prepared for that day. Can I tell you this, church? We need to be prepared for the day that the groom comes back for the bride. We need to be dressed. We need to be white. We need to be wrinkle free. You need to quit dating the world, my friend. Come on. You as a bride need to quit messing around and flirting with other men. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. We need to quit playing around with the world. We need to be ready. We need to be looking. We need to be loving. Our garments should be ready, pressed, and white. Our hair should be all done up. I'm not going to go with the makeup because I don't wear makeup. But you get the idea of what this preacher is trying to say. We should be prepared for his return because we don't know the hour, nor do we know the day. Look at the, the story of the ten virgins. Five were ready. Five weren't. The five who were ready, they went into the marriage supper. They went into that wedding. Come on, the five that weren't prepared, they were left out knocking on the door. I don't want to be left out knocking on the door. When he comes for his bride, I want to be ready for him. I'm going to be looking for him. I'm going to be watching for him. My garments are going to be white, spotless, without wrinkle. I want to present my best for my king and my lord, my groomsman, my husband. Come on, church. I know I haven't really preached hard in a while like this. We might be that generation. We may be that generation. But if he doesn't come back today, we're one day closer to him coming back. And if he doesn't come in my lifetime, it doesn't matter. He will come back and your kids need to hear that he's coming back. You need to live your life in front of your kids and your grandkids as though it could happen today. Quit compromising with the world. Quit showing them the bad example. Start living your life for Christ the way you know you ought to. Quit trying to make the word say what you want it to say. The word is very simple and explicit. Live it out. And you're guaranteed a position, a place in heaven. Be prepared. Be ready. Be watching. Be looking for his return. Finally, we're to be comforted. We should be prepared. And the return of Christ should cause the believer to be focused. Paul continues in chapter 5 and verse 5. For you are the children, or you are children of light. See? He's not talking about daylight. He's talking about we're children. We're, let your light shine. We're children, we're children of God. So uh, children of the day. We are, we are not the night uh, of the night or the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Let's, let, let's don't be like the world. The world's asleep today. Don't, don't be like the world. But let us keep awake. That, that word literally means there to, to be awake, to be alert. It goes on to say, and sober. That means don't let anything cloud your thinking. Don't let anything cloud your vision. Don't come in here and get stooped up on something and, and, and drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Come on. You play with the world, you start looking like the world, start sounding like the world, you're the world. I know you probably thought I moved on from there, but I guess I haven't. We need to be focused. This is not a good time to not be paying attention and clouded in your thinking. To be distracted. Live every moment like he could come back right now. We need to be awake, sober, understanding that the end is near. And whether we see it or not, we are living in our last days. You're living in your last days. <laughs> see? We need to be focused. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. Because of the fact, we need to be ready. I'm going to read it very quickly. It's a little bit of a scripture, but I think it puts it... Within context, Matthew 24, 37. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware. They weren't awake. They weren't focused. They weren't sober-minded. They didn't listen until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, because of this, because we don't know when, because he is coming back, because we are living like in the days of Noah, therefore, stay awake, stay focused, stay, stay sober, be, have your mind prepared, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. We're living in that time, church. We're living in a very unique time. Are these the last days? You know, I honestly don't know. Can I be honest with you? We're here to answer the question. Are these? I, I'm really not sure, but I know this. These are my last days. These are my last days. It's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. See? These are my last days and these are your last days. The only second life you get is that within heaven. Now, you, you can go to hell and there's life, but it ain't much of a life. It's a life of torment. And I'm not trying to scare you into heaven today. That's not what this message is about. This message is to wake the church up. This message isn't necessarily for the sinner today. The lost person. We're all sinners, but the lost. Although I think it applies if you're here this morning. The reality is this is for the church. And I got to thinking, Lord, why on Pastor Appreciation Day would you have me teach and preach on the end times? And the Lord laid it in my spirit this morning. It's because you need to hear it. What better way for me to show you my love and appreciate you than to speak the truth to you today and you be prepared? Because I'll be sad if you don't make it. I'm going. You're so sure of that, Pastor? I'm sure of that. There ain't a doubt in my mind. I'm going. I'm ready. I told you, my bags are packed. I'm trying my hardest to get my wife saved. I'm trying to get her bags back, but just keep praying for me. For y'all that are visiting today, that I pick on my wife a lot, but she loves me. She doesn't mind. She gave me permission to. I told her it's either her or y'all. Y'all will leave. She can't leave. So there you go. Just prepare us. See, we need to be prepared. We need to prepare as if he's coming today. Be ready like he's coming today. But yet we need to be continue to work. See, there's hungry, there's thirsty, there's the naked, there's the incarcerated that need to be ministered to. See, we need to be busy about our Father's business. There are the hurting that need to be encouraged. There are the lost that need to be reached. There are the captives that need to be set free. See, that's why this is important that we understand our role. If he comes back today, those who have not been reached, the odds of them reaching it, heaven, are slim. Not impossible. But the odds go way down. Because when that time comes, if you're left behind, and you're here during the reign of the Antichrist rule, and you can't eat, you can't buy or sell without that mark, but yet you take that mark, that means you, God will not accept you. Think about that. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. We have work to do. So, in closing, as I'll ask the worship team to come back up. Let the record show on Pastor Appreciation Day that I'm landing the plane at 11.55. Doesn't mean it's over. If you've ever been on a plane and you get on the tarmac, you know there's a little bit you have to do. So are we living in the last days? The real question is, hear me, I want, I want everybody to listen. The real question is this. If we are living in the last days, would it change the way you're living your life? If we're living in the last days, how would that affect the way you live your life today? So that's really the question. I've, I've kept, let the cat out of the bag already. We're living in our last days. And the reality of it is, the rapture could take place today, or you could go home and be with the Lord today without the rapture. So I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you for the reality. And can I say something? Listen to me. I know the young people aren't going to grasp this real well because they want to get married and have kids, and I wish they'd just look at us. 
but in all seriousness, I know I should be more serious right now. Lord, forgive me. The reality of it is, whether by the rapture or by the grave, we're all going to stand before God one day. You're in your last days. And it's so easy to focus on this world. I'm not here to beat you up. I have things. They're blessings of God. They are. And I thank God for His goodness and His blessing. But sometimes I get distracted and forget. Transparency. Forget. Today might be my day. And that doesn't scare me. Not like it did when I was 12 years old with that postcard. It doesn't scare me. If anything, it does excite me and bring comfort to my life. But then with it, the reality sets in. There's people in my life that aren't ready. And I might be the voice that they'll listen to. Just like with you. See? So, if today, if today, if, if God right now manifested Jesus in the flesh, and He stood before, and He showed you the nail prints in His side like He did Thomas that day after His resurrection. And He said, hey guys, I, I'm authenticating who I am. I'm Jesus. Doubt me here. Touch you. I want you to know that I'm Jesus. And I want you to know that at 12.05 today, the trumpet's going to sound. Would it change how you lived your life for the next 10 minutes? If so, then you have some talking to do with the Lord. You have some evaluating to do. Does that mean none of us have improvement? We all can improve. I'm talking about if it really said, you know what? I need to stop doing this. I need to quit thinking this. I need to stop this. I need to start doing. If there's something in your life that you would change... I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not going to show up and let you know he's coming at 12.05. Can I tell you something? He's told you today through me that he's coming. And for y'all that already knew that, he's reminding you that he's coming. Does that resonate? You, you have, you understand, you're following this pastor, this shepherd. And if there's something in your life. Let me ask you another question. I told you the time didn't matter. If you were dating you, if you if you could say right now, if I could say, okay, I'm stepping out and I'm now dating Tony T's. I'm dating myself. Would I consider myself faithful to me? Would I consider myself ready? Would I consider myself dressed spotless without wrinkles? God's not looking for perfection. He's looking for readiness. Are you ready? Are you prepared? Thanks so much for being here online with us today. If today's message touched you and you haven't given your life to Jesus, we believe today is the day. All you have to do is pray. Admit to God that you have sinned. Believe that Jesus died for you and confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. If you prayed that prayer to God today, please reach out to us and let us know. We have some digital resources that we would love to send your way to help you and for us to be able to connect with you. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure to like and subscribe and share our social media accounts. We believe that church is more than just a building or a Sunday experience. We look forward to connecting with you online and in person. Thanks again for being with us today.